Yeah, it has been a, a rough past few days for our city. And you're right, I mean, we're, we're in the place we're supposed to be as believers gathering together. And one of the things that we do believe is that while we may feel overwhelmed by news, by circumstances, the God that we have gathered to worship is never overwhelmed. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in a time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. We will not fear. What we want to do this morning is start out with a prayer over the situation that's been unfolding So let's bow our heads together. Father God, we approach your throne of grace on this beautiful morning with heavy hearts. We grieve the loss of those who were just working to protect and to serve our community, uh, those law enforcement officials whose lives were cut down Thursday night by an assassin. God, we ask for your rich mercies. We ask for your comfort. Uh, that those will be with the families of those fallen officers, officers Brent Thompson, Lauren Ahrens, Patrick Zamparira, Michael J. Smith, and Michael Kroll. God bless those families. We also, Father, intercede on behalf of those who were wounded, God. We pray that you will bless their recoveries, their physical recoveries emotional recoveries and spiritual recoveries. Father, as your word says, you are an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And so help those folks and help the families that are rooting for them and those families that are grieving losses this morning. We also ask, Father, that you will bless the family of Micah Johnson, the shooter. Um, Be with them in a special way as they grieve in different circumstances this morning, but they grieve nonetheless. Lord God, we are grateful for those that you have called to serve us through careers in law enforcement. We ask that you will give them fresh depths of wisdom and grace as they work through the shock and pain of the last few days. And they work with some new fears about what the future may hold as they work on the streets of our city. God, we come to you on behalf of our city. We come to you on behalf of our nation. We live in a time of of confusion, a time of fear, and for many a time of anger. It feels like much of, of, of that which has been holding us together is coming undone. Almost as if we can feel the earth giving way underneath our feet. According to your word, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, we know that you are bigger than anything that we will face in this world. Your love is greater than the hates. Your love is greater than the hurts of this world. Your justice and your truth will surely prevail. Raise up leaders, God, in communities around our city and around our nation and groups within those communities. Leaders who will serve you. Leaders who will seek the common good. Leaders who will work for understanding and justice. And God, we pray that you will knock down and humble 
those leaders, those people of influence who choose to use their influence to incite, who choose to use their influence to divide, and who choose to use their words and influence to diminish other people and other groups. We pray all this boldly, confidently. In the name of our Lord and Savior, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Amen. Different this morning, given what's gone on this, the past few days in our city, and I think we're not only doing what is appropriate, I think we're doing what we need to do. Uh, it's such a blur that you know, the sermon outline in the bulletin is not what we're doing today, and I can honestly tell you right now, I don't even remember what I was going to preach today. So you can open up the bulletin and see what I was going to preach. Probably hear that next week, okay? But I can't even remember what it was because just so much has been going on, so much that we need to talk about this morning. We're going to have a panel here in a few minutes that I think is really going to help us uh, just not have the conversation but continue the conversation this morning as we go forward as a church and as a community here in Dallas. No surprise, uh, we live in a time of great division within our culture, a time of, I think you could use the word upheaval, a time of mistrust, a time of anger in different groups over different perceived uh, injustices or real injustices that have been um, suffered. Politics, I mean, I don't need to say much more. You watch the news, you know what's going on. I don't remember a time, I've only been around 47 years, but I don't remember a time when politics has been this ugly and this, this divided. Um, religion. We used to argue with people about you know, doctrine, about, hey, this belief is right or this is wrong or this interpretation is right. Boy, those were the good old days, weren't they? Now, uh, when it comes to religion, you're worried if someone's going to kill you because of their faith or burn down your church or your mosque or your synagogue because of their, of their faith. Um, race, I, honestly, I just kind of shake my head. I'm like, we still got racism, you know? It's like, didn't we fight a civil war over this stuff? And didn't Martin Luther King and a lot of folks still, I mean, we're still dealing with that, with bigotry and stuff like that? It's just, that's just, frankly, it's weird and sad, isn't it? Um, and I'm not going to tell you or suggest to you that America has never been this divided. Yeah, we have. We've been more divided. I mean, this is child's play compared to, say, the 1840s and such. When Abraham Lincoln was elected president, I just want to share with you some of his words from his very first inaugural address as we were on the brink of civil war. He said, We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic chords of memory swell when again touched, as surely as they will be by the better angels of our nature. Boy, do we need that now. People touched by the better angels of their nature. 2,000 years ago, another leader, Jesus Christ, preached his famous Sermon on the Mount. That sermon would be the basis of his entire teaching, his entire ministry. And honestly, the theme, he told it like it is, right? I mean, really, the theme of the Sermon on the Mount is, is a general indictment of the human heart. 
right? Um, you've heard that it's a sin to go out and kill people. Jesus says, you can murder people in your heart when you say something nasty about them. And who hasn't done that? Jesus says, you have heard long ago that uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, but if you have looked on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. And so he just indicts our hearts. He says the problem is not something that can be fixed with window dressing, with just changing a few of your behaviors. It has to start in here. It has to be addressed. We are wounded, all of us. We are broken, all of us. We are sinful, all of us. And so Jesus comes along and he points the finger at that uncomfortable truth that our hearts are messed up. And then he begins to preach the good news. He preached love. He said, you know... There are two commandments that matter. Everything else essentially is a footnote on those. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Not just the neighbor that looks like you, the neighbor that watches Fox News like you or MSNBC like you. Uh, He says your neighbor like the Samaritan. And he uses this example of someone who was in a different religious camp, right? Who was of a different ethnicity. And he says that guy's an example of what a neighbor should be. We need to be more like more like him. So he comes along and he preaches love. He does more than preach love. I mean, much more. He, he, he delivers himself as the ultimate act of love and self-sacrifice. The innocent Lamb of God who faced unjust, untrue accusations. Who faced trials, air quotes, in the middle of the night, right? Uh, unjust sham trials who endured ridicule and mocking and scorn and the the crown of thorns and the laughter and the king of the Jews nailed over his cross, endured all of this because he knew that in the cross we could find salvation. And think about the cross for a second. He didn't have to go to the cross. But there he took everything. Everything that evil could throw at him. Everything the minions of hell could imagine to do to the Son of God, he took it. And he rose again. It did not have the last word. It could not keep him down. He rose, and the life that Jesus lived is now regarded as the life by which time is measured. I mean, you may not be a Christian, but it is. B.C., A.D., the days are counted, the years are numbered based on that life, the life of Jesus Christ. His death, His resurrection is the fulcrum on which history turned. Now, consider these words that He preached in the Sermon on the Mount and and see if He's not a revolutionary, even today. Matthew chapter 5, 44 and 45, Jesus said, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Love your enemies. And our culture says, when someone is your enemy, what you need to do is even the score, Jesus comes along and says, if someone's your enemy, you need to start loving them even more, right? 
And to set the stage for the panel discussion we're going to have in just a few moments, I'm going to share a few more words, some images Jesus used for us, his followers, of what it looks like in this dark world when we are on mission and we, when we understand who we are in Christ Jesus. Starting in verse 13 there in chapter 5, he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness... How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and they may praise your Father in heaven. Two powerful images, right? Light. Light, uh, it illuminates. That's its nature. Light um, warms. Unless, of course, you hide it, which is kind of pointless. You light a light, you don't hide it. You light a light and you put it on a stand, Jesus says. Um, so that it can radiate its light outward. And guess what? Jesus says, light of the world, it's not just me, it's you. You are the light of the world. You're reflecting my light and my love in this world. Salt. Salt. Flavors. Seasons. I mean, we love watching those cooking shows, any cooking show on TV. And they can do an amazing job chopping and combining ingredients and and the most complicated techniques that a chef can use. But how often, when those chefs on those cooking shows present those dishes before that panel of judges, how often have I heard, you forgot to season it. You did everything right, but you didn't put the salt on there. That's the way salt is. You miss it when it's not there. You notice it when it's not there. You, You need it. Salt is, not telling you anything you don't know, salt is not a main dish, right? <laughs> Here, have a pile of salt for dinner. Salt's not even a side dish, right? I mean, your, your waiter is never going to come up to you and say, here's what you ordered, here's the prime rib and the asparagus, and there's the mashed potatoes, and, and yeah, this other side dish is just a half cup of salt. Really? What? But I mean, if it's not there on the plate, you are going to notice it But it needs to be mixed in. It needs to be sprinkled on top. It makes everything else taste right. It seasons when it does its job right. And Jesus says, you are salt. You are the grace bringers. You are the people of love. You are the the folks in whatever situation you find yourselves, you are radiating Christ-likeness and shaping conversations on social media, shaping water cooler talks, shaping panels and commissions that you might be a part of, shaping um, the talk of your neighborhood. You are seasoning all of that for me, Jesus says, your salt and your light. It's interesting when Jesus uses this image of light He doesn't say that you're lighting up the world because you have all of the right answers on questions of doctrine. Now, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say doctrine's not important, but he doesn't say you light up the world by having all of the correct beliefs. 
He says, it is by, verse 16, it is by your good deeds that you are the light of the world. So this morning, to continue a conversation that I know that we're all having in Dallas these days and around the country, I've invited three of my friends who are members here at Preston Crest who have uh, different perspectives but a lot of wisdom to share, and we're just going to talk for a few minutes this morning. The first one I will invite up is Adam McGew. Adam, come on up and have a seat. Adam is um, right now a city council uh, person for the city of Dallas, and we're very glad for that, um, for the work that you're doing. Before that, Adam was, well, by profession, you're kind of a mediator. You do mediation. Uh, but before that, he was involved with community courts here, the chief of community courts and prosecution in the city of Dallas. Then he was tapped by Mayor Rawlings to be the mayor's chief of staff and to lead the Grow South Initiative. Um, among other things, Adam is, is serving as the vice chair of the Committee for Public Safety, which is the Dallas City Committee that oversees police and fire. So good perspective to have uh, these days from Adam. Uh, Adam and Lacey have been here forever, so a long time. You're way too young. Don't take that the wrong way, uh, but you've been here, <laughs> well, how many years now? 16 years. The second guy I want to invite up is Oliver Johnson. Uh, y'all may not know him well. He's fairly new here, been here a couple of years, but has made an impact on our church already. Uh, Oliver's a native of, of Memphis, Tennessee, just like my mama, so welcome. Uh, Oliver's been here in Dallas, though, for nearly 20 years, and I called him up because he, he is all about um, bringing people together, helping people to hear what others are saying and thinking and, and building community. He is the co-founder of Project Invisible, I-N-V-I-Z-I-B-L-E, invisible.com, beinvisible.com is the website, amazing things that you guys are doing. Um, it is a platform that promotes conversation through art, activism, life-changing stories, and more. And Oliver is a part of the Center for Performance Excellence for the city of Dallas. And you'll tell us a little bit more about that, I'm sure. Um, finally, Gary, come on up. Gary Cohorn, our own singles minister, our community, community outreach minister, who had to be a part of this panel. Just had to because... Not only does he lead us and help us, not only is it part of his job description, it is who he is. His DNA is to be in the community, uh, to be a building bridges. So I'm glad you guys are here. Why don't we just start our time by, why don't you guys just share a little bit of, of your background, your experience um, that kind of has, has brought you to this point and, and your experiences working with different groups in the city. Adam, you want to start? Well, thank you. Thank you. Thankful for being here this morning. Um, I was born and raised in Nacogdoches, East Texas. Um, my family's over here. My dad gets to come to church with me. I love that. Um, and went to University of Texas, Austin for undergrad, SMU Law. Went out to Pepperdine for LM and dispute resolution and, and came back and started practicing law here in Dallas. I uh, went to the city um, in 2005 and became a community prosecutor. And as, as Gordon mentioned, I spent really the next 10 years focused in the highest crime areas of our city, all over the city, furthest north, furthest south, and um, then had the unique opportunity once the mayor uh, asked me to come to his office to focus on Gross South. So, um, you know, be the be the white guy going into a lot of our African-American communities and getting to the point of, of really establishing trust so that you can show your heart and um, get past some of those, some of those initial lines. 
I'm Oliver Johnson, as Gordon said, a native of Memphis, Tennessee. Come from a long family history of commitment to education, uh, starting with my great-great-grandmother who grew up on a plantation uh, and was taught to read as a little girl, an act that was, uh, in many places, was uh, punishable by death, but it forever changed the course of her, her life as well as the life of generations that followed and, of course, changed my life. Um, grew up in Memphis, attended Howard U University in Washington, D.C., where I did my undergraduate studies, um, left there on to New York, left New York on to San Francisco, left San Francisco on to Austin, and then I landed in Dallas. Uh, while in Austin, I did my um, master's work, my uh, master's degree work at the LBJ School of Public Affairs at the University of Texas at Austin, and then stayed in Austin a short while to work for the city of Austin before coming to Dallas to work for the city. Uh, and currently, I've been with the city of Dallas for about 18 years now, and currently working with the Center for Performance Excellence, which has a focus on innovation in the city and um, looking at ways to be more effective and efficient in service delivery to our customers and taxpayers and others. And as Gordon mentioned, a co-founder of Project Invisible, which is a platform which was started shortly over a year ago. Actually, our one-year anniversary is tomorrow, now that I think about it, yeah. So um, if you get a chance, please visit, it, visit our website at beinvisible.com. That's B-E-I-N-V-I-Z-I-B-L-E.com. When uh, Gordon asked me to be a part of this conversation, I think it's an ongoing conversation that we need to have, and I'm thankful we can have some of these in this kind of context. Years ago when I was in college, I grew up in Oklahoma City, and uh, went to Oklahoma Christian, studied for ministry, but uh, the job that I had at the time, my brother and I had, was to drive trucks for Oklahoma Publishing Company, or Opubco. We drove trucks out to the city to, uh, or drove trucks to district managers to take paper, et cetera, et cetera. And it took us to places that my parents said never go. And I was working on the dock with people that were foreign to my previous experience. And uh, what I found at that time was that there are people that were on the corners or in the streets or aimless runaways, prostitutes, people that were addicted to whatever or had no particular place to go. As I was preparing for ministry in churches, I was asking these questions that kind of grabbed me, and that is, who are these people? How did they get here? Is there anyone that cares about them? Do they have any kind of connection to God? And what might be done about that? Is there a relationship that could be developed? Went to Abilene for some grad school and then uh, continued that journey and became involved with some community places there while in school. One of them I worked with a treatment center and then came back to Oklahoma City with a church two years, purposely moved downtown to be a part of that culture and then uh, A&M. And at A&M and then back here, Became, did some clinical psych, uh, another round of grad school, and the point in all that is, it is to take us, I was called to the streets in early 80s, because I think God calls us to those places if we're his people, and so that's, and then coming to Preston Crest, singles ministry, the urban mission uh, thing was, as Gordon said, kind of the calling, and then we developed that as a church, and, and that's been 10 years now, so. Okay, so let's jump right in. Um, what I see, I think what we all see, social media, news, uh, what's going on, 
uh, Thursday, but bef- well before that, just divisions, right? I mean, div- and not just black and white, but Muslim, Cre- I mean, just divisions all over the place, immigration stuff. <laughs> From y'all's perspectives, what's going on? What's happening these days? What's up with this? <laughs> so at uh, about 9.30 on Thursday night, um, I made a call to the, the current chief of staff for the mayor and said, you know, is there anything I can do to help? And um, he said, he let me know at that point in time that we, we knew we were, had already lost an officer. It wasn't public yet. And um, I said, you know, I tried to figure out what to do, and I couldn't sit there any longer, so I just went down to City Hall. And I went with my computer bag and everything else because I went not as a council member. I went to go to work. I wanted to be useful and helpful. And it wasn't kind of everything's chaos for a minute, but a little bit into it, I started a prayer because, you know, everything's coming in, information's coming in crazy. And, and I said, all right, God, what are you doing? You know, what, what's, what's happening here? And it was a, it's been a continuous prayer ever since then. And the one word that kept coming to mind as, as an answer, I believe, is, is listen. And I think that gets back to the point that we're talking about is, I think as a culture, we, we forget to listen. We don't listen. Um, we are always trying to find the next point that makes us our self-promotion, our, our point there. And I think we're real good at talking. And we might wait long enough for the other person's lips to start moving before we insert our point there. And um, I think you start seeing that in the culture. I, as Gordon mentioned, I teach mediation. And I have to put every one of my students through an exercise where I just require them to sit quiet and listen to others for just two minutes. And it's amazing how difficult that is. Um, and so I think whether we're watching the news, whether you're in a communication with your neighbor or someone at work, we just don't listen because underlying every single one of the statements that people are making is a wound, is a hurt, is something that if we just listened really to each other in this room right now, it'd be amazing the changes we could make. And I, so that, I think, is the biggest, biggest cause of the divisiveness. You know, Adam, the uh, social media has changed everything. It has, and the internet's changed that. And you think about those platforms that 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 are most popular now—Twitter, Facebook, Instagram—they lend themselves very well to making a proclamation. Right? You make your proclamation, you make your declaration. Um, they don't really lend themselves as well to listening, and maybe that's. Uh, some of the fuel that's been poured on the fires of some divisions that were already there is we're, and then you make a, and then someone else makes a statement, black lives matter, right? All lives matter. Uh, blue lives matter. You know, and it's just like, why? Everyone one-upping everybody else, and is anybody really hearing, you know, what someone, not, we do listen, right? We listen, if you're Fox News, you listen to Fox News. You're MSNBC, you listen to, you're CNN, you listen to, you listen to people, right, that, are in your group, but are we listening to people in other groups that see things very differently? I think what's interesting about, you know, you, you mentioned Fox News and you m- mentioned the other networks. That type of listening is fueled, and I think our inability to listen in general is fueled by, by fear. Uh, when you look at what's happening not only in this country but throughout the world, what just recently happening in, uh, with the, the Brexit situation yes. and immigration and loss of jobs, I think a lot of people... Uh, in our country are fearful because the life that they imagined they would have for themselves or for their families is not one that's actually playing out, you know, um, in an economic standpoint, standpoint, 
Uh, and so in that particular case, it, it pits us one against the other. You know, if we feel like uh, due to immigration, uh, that's taking jobs away, or if because of certain visas that bring uh, talent into the country from other countries, we feel like that's taking, taking opportunities away. Uh, that, uh, it, on top of that, the, um, we're not making as much money as we used to, so you know, housing costs, health care, putting food on the table, all of that uh, is causing us to act in ways that we perhaps haven't seen in a while. I want to mention, tag on what Adam said, I think there's something huge about listening, but I'm not so sure that we're hearing. And I think there's a difference between listening to someone's words, waiting, them for, waiting for them to quit talking, but to actually be very in tune to and want to understand and get them, to hear through their words and to get and to appreciate who they are and what they're saying and what they're expressing with no real with no real steps on your part other than to honor and respect who they are and what they're feeling. A relationship can develop from there, but there's no real intention or agenda to go beyond that. Certainly not one for self-promotion, just to understand and honor and appreciate that other person. And I might add to that, I think I would encourage us in this context of what's going wrong or what we could do better if we can get ourselves out of our particular circles that we're in to put ourselves in a place where we can understand and appreciate, in pro put us in a space with people who are different than us so that we can honor and appreciate, once again, with no agenda, but just to listen and to honor and to respect and to appreciate and even to love. It's Do that, and that's a Christ piece. That's what I think of as, as moving outside the bubble. Hmm. And when we, we become very comfortable um, existing within the bubble. You know, we come, we come to Preston Crest, we worship together, we're glad to see one another, and then we go to our respective communities and homes and jobs. And, um, but to your point, there's not much movement outside of, outside of that circle, movement that uh, causes us to make connections with people that we otherwise, um, that we otherwise would, would connect with. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I, I would just add, it's it's listening like we're talking about here, um, but it's also listening to God. I, I genuinely believe that that God speaks to us and puts us in situations on a daily basis to impact and to serve those around us. He He wants us out of our bubble, and, and maybe not everyone at all times, but we know. And to miss the opportunity that God put before us because we're fearful, because we're scared, because we think someone's going to think something of us, um, that's not God's will. And, and every morning I get up, the prayer is that I stay in God's will. And I, I believe that the opportunities surrounding us every single minute almost of the day is, is amazing. We just kind of put our tunnel vision on and just keep going right on through because it's not comfortable. And that's the, that's the part I think we really, really need to focus on. And if I can mention on that, Adam, one of the great challenges in our current culture is if you stop, if you're open to God's movement in your life and listening to his voice, it may take you to some people that are going to be, that are going to take time and messy. And so to get to your next agenda, whatever that is, is going to complicate things. And you've got to be willing to yeah. have your agenda altered. And most of what, a great deal of Jesus' work and activity in people's lives had to be what he was doing on the way, mm -hmm. not his arrival spot. It mm -hmm. was 
the interferences and interceptions of this life. And we've already started this, but let's, let's go even deeper in this. So, like Thursday night, what happened, or what's happening in Minneapolis, or what happened in Louisiana, or Baltimore, Ferguson, brrr, since the beginning of time. Um, our kind of, our, our meaning, just cultural, what we seem to do is, um, or what you hear a lot of is, solutions tied to, you know, the government needs, we need new gun control laws, or we need less gun control laws, or we need police to have body armor, or whoa, we need less body armor because the police are too militarized, or we, you know, it's all over the map, or more money in this, or less money in this, or more of this. Okay, what do we need to do? And we've already started this conversation as believers, as children of God, personally, what do we need to be doing to make things better? Um, take very small steps. That's good. <laughs> to, to begin with, um, it's, um, it seems simple, but it's, it's challenging. And with that, it's a matter of, it's, it's, it's all the things that we've, that we've discussed thus far this, this morning. Um, moving outside the bubble, putting ourselves in places that we don't normally find ourselves um, being active listeners, being very in, intentional in our listening so that we have a better understanding of one another and, I, and, and, uh, and not living in fear. I think if we, um, if we, uh, as you, someone said, it's not the destination, but on the way. And as we're encountering others and as we're faced with different situations, we have to be that light. We have to be that salt and others have to see Christ in us. And I think if we start there, then that will inform um, other things that we do, whether we talk about doing things through government or through Mm -hmm. NGOs or through industry or what have you. Okay, let me ask you guys something. I need your comments on this because I've heard several of you mention listening outside the bubble, blah, blah, blah. But people are scared. You've also said people are scared, which is kind of the reason we're in this mess. And the scareder people get, the more insular they tend to become, the more they move into the bubble. So it's not that safe outside your bubble. There's risk there. So how do you, what do you say about that? Because I think one reason people are moving in is they are scared. So what do you say to people, especially believers, who their reaction to their fear is to try to get more safe? And some of the things you guys are saying don't sound more safe to people, right? Sound kind of dangerous, kind of risky, getting outside of your group, people who think differently, different neighborhoods. I want to, uh, there is none safety, but I don't know that it's physical safety that we're, is, we're having an issue with is maybe social safety. Uh, you know, I'm reminded about Jesus' the first, his starting point was not in this world. It was with the Father and the Spirit. And he made, he was incarnate into this world, and he had a pretty good place. But he <laughs> chose, was a nice neighborhood. yeah, but he, but he chose to come to this place and to engage in a world and live manifest in a, in a, in a fleshly being and to engage with people. And ultimately it was very dangerous and not safe for him, but it was a choice. What I think I see is that uh, to engage and to go into spaces where you meet people and find and discover who they are and what they're about 
only increases the building of the bridges and the love and the right. care and the right. connection. Uh, rare do I see this as a place where you're going to be physically uh, harmed. I think it's just a matter of maybe a social concern, what people may, may say about you. But uh, I, see, I see God's people, by Jesus' example, as being people of peace. If I had to say a, a word that was most significant right now, it might be the peace that he brings, the peace that he called us to be, peacemakers, living and connecting people, John 14, with his kind of peace that comes from God, not from him. So I don't know that it's necessarily physically unsafe, but we do have to probably check and remind ourselves, I was created by God. Any other, any other commentary is kind of secondary. Yeah, I mean, truth is it's risky. I think God calls us to risk. And the, I guess my answer to that is the reward is so much greater. Um, the, I mean, I just went through a nasty campaign, right? I did that because I was called to the service. It was miserable. Ask, ask my wife and family over there. It's, it was miserable. But the service and the place that God has put me in to connect with so many other people and the way he can use, as long as we get ourselves out of the way, it's, I mean, it's why those officers ran into the fire because of their service and their heroism and their willingness to sacrifice for those around them. It's so much better life than the comfortable day-to-day just monotony. God, I believe that's what God calls us to. And, and it's all of us in different ways. You know, I'm not, no one else needs to come, you know, sign up and run for elected office. Um, but you, you have a call in your heart. And if you listen to it, that's the life we're called to live. Uh, my fear is the missed opportunities because I get comfortable in something or I, I, I take my own interests and, and just can't get myself out of the way. Hey, uh, Oliver, uh, not that you have to answer this, but I'm going to ask the others to come in. So we've talked about listening a lot, getting outside the bubble. Kind of more, more specific ideas. You talked about small steps, yep. and I think that's key because, yeah, the officers did big things, right? They were running into this danger zone. But, Oliver, you mentioned I think more practically for us are the small things. What are some of the small things that we need to be doing to season our city right now? Well, you know, and I, I, it, I remember several weeks ago in, in our class, 24-7, we were talking about um, your, uh, um, who's your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about and before you're ever able to be a neighbor to someone outside of the body, we have to demonstrate one to another that we are neighbors to, to each other. And that's not something that we um, always do with ease or we, we don't always get it right. And I think it's because... Um, you know, we're, we, we're, we are comfortable with that, which is familiar. And so I think we, it starts here. And once we begin to demonstrate that, uh, that among uh, one another, then we're able to take it outside of the body. And like the work that Gary does in the community, it becomes easier to encounter or, or, to, inter- or to interface with others who are not like us. When they see the love of Christ in us, they all want to know what is your hope they will come and they will be, they might be encouraged to visit. Uh, and it's just, it's a building block. And I think we look at other opportunities to, to, to interact and engage uh, other groups, other congregations, uh, other faiths that, that are not like us. We were just 
praying a couple of weeks ago during Ramadan. And so I think it's, it's those incremental steps that we need to take that will ultimately lead us to, uh, to great change. I'll echo the, go to the person next to you, closest there. Um, but it's, it's the, the ideas, and I, just some people in our community just this week, um, Boy Scout troop put up flags uh, along just a route that DPD travels often to get to their northeast substation. And it was just an idea in somebody's mind, but when they pulled it together, it's been, I mean, just driving through, I mean, there's over 800, now they're adding to it, there's probably a thousand flags now, just lining the street, and just driving through that street, it's just flags, but it, it, meant, it means a lot more, it connects to a lot of people, and um, we just put a little video on Facebook and have over 100,000 people have gone to that at that point in time, and so it's, it can just be some little thing, but if you, if you follow through with it, it's amazing what God can do with it. It's embracing a school. It's taking a class and spending time with one of the uh, shelters. It's meeting someone down the street from another church. Last night I was at uh, uh, Cathedral of Guadalupe, and they were as a group of or just a gathering of people from our city. They were praying. It's a Catholic church downtown, praying together. Am I Catholic? No. Uh, do we have some differences? Absolutely. Am I concerned that people are going to think I'm trying to become Catholic? No. Well, one or two. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but that's building and engaging with community. I know the other day, Friday, at the, the mayor and, and David Brown called a, a gathering together on Friday at noon downtown. And one of the things I was moved by was seeing an office, seeing a military uh, gentleman, white uh, military gentleman, full fatigue, standing there, and I overheard a conversation. A black gentleman came next to him, and they just started to greet each other, hugged. They said they're both pastors. The military man said, you wouldn't believe I'm a pastor, but I am. And they hugged. black lady come, came next to them. She came walking up, hot, hot day. She came standing there next to him. He pulled his hat off and made a little semi-umbrella uh, <clears throat> for her and stood there for three, four, five minutes during this, during this gathering together. It was very hot. And several people came and were taking some, some pictures of this image. What I see is beautiful is that happening on a systematic and macro level. What happens past the selfies if we can join hands with people down the street or across the way? Other faith groups, we're not foregoing our beliefs, but we are gathering as human beings in a city that can love each other like he did and then honor God in the process. I, and that can, and, and that, just a little program note, the, our cover Dallas is all about those relationships. It's not about projects. It's about people, and it has been for these years, and I think those kinds of contexts and ways, and like Adam, like Oliver said, it can be organic. Most of the better, the better things are. But I think those are the ways that God and God's family impact our city. Just, just a few. I don't know. I don't know if anyone saw Dale, Dale Hansen's uh, WFAA's commentary the other night. He was talking about, a, similar to what we're doing, having this discussion. And one of the important notes that I, that I walked away with is that whatever we do, um, it's not enough just to say the right words, to do the right things, um, to show up at the right places, but we have to be committed to it. Uh, because after this, after this horrific incident, there will be more. It might not be the same thing. It will be something else. But we've got to get to a place where 
uh, we're just not, it's just not a, a knee-jerk reaction. It's got to be something that's, that's ingrained in our day-to-day uh, our -day existence. And so, yes, take small steps, do things incrementally, um, get outside of our comfort zone, get outside the bubble. But in, all, but in all of that, be sure that in our doing, that, we're, that it's just not an act. We're just yeah. not saying it for yeah. the time being because uh, our, our, um, our senses are, are heightened because of what's happened. And one final thing, um, we need to not care about being noticed or, I mean, when we do all this stuff, that's the selfie age, the, now I'm going to put this on, but it's just quietly going about it and whether anybody sees it or not, it's probably better if they don't, honestly. And, you know, Jesus said we need to be salt and light. He also said feed my sheep and the sheep are looking kind of hungry out here so let's uh let's wrap this up do you guys have any closing thoughts before we <laughs> i'll just say this um i said it last night the first comment that a lot of people were saying when all this was happening was i was just shocked i was just totally taken aback and and the truth of it when i look inside i wasn't shocked at all i almost expected it you didn't know where you don't want it you certainly don't want it in your city but I'll tell you one thing, I believe our city, because of the, the trust that's been gained over a lot of work, we're not perfect, good gracious, we've got a lot of work to do, but we're, we're well situated. And I, what I know we're going to see is this city continue to come together, to pray together, to work together. And I tr genuinely believe that we're going to be an example for the rest of our state and our country. And at the end of the day, after the suffering and the hurt that won't ever end for some of these families, it's God's going to use this in an absolutely amazing blessing way. Yeah. I'm reminded in Christmas time when the spirit of people is very loving and caring and giving, and someone will usually say, "Why can't we carry this Christmas spirit throughout the year?" There is a tendency to 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 head back toward the mean and to go back to the things that we do, but I think if we're intentional and share this and the possibilities and what could be and then do some strategic planning, then God will use that for profound things yeah. as he's doing in the past couple of days. It's been as dark as Thursday night was. Noon on Friday downtown with that gathering of people was bright, not just sun bright, but it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. God's alive in the city of Dallas. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Wasn't that wonderful? That's so good. And like, like I said, this is just one of many conversations. And there will be conversations just as important that you'll have at lunch today or this week at the, you know, at the office. So let's just keep this going and, and take seriously that call to be salt and light in different situations. Martin Luther King, who was a person of peace and a minister of the gospel, said this. He said, well, he said a lot of things. Um, I had to pull one out today. But this one I love. He said, I've decided to stick with love because hate is too great a burden to bear. And I think that's the way we as believers feel. Love is just too heavy. I mean, hate is just too heavy. Um, we're going to stick with love. That's what we're going to do. No matter what the news, no matter what the next event is or whatever, we're going to stick with love no matter what. And we're going to be his people, his people of peace, salt, and light in our community. And if you need to respond to the gospel this morning or if you need prayers, um, we'd love to help you with that. Let's respond as we stand together and worship.